Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. Good morning. Yeah, I'm excited to uh, get to share some stuff with you. Lesson learned. A uh, bit of a story. Um, so, years ago, when I initially got saved, you know, I got radically saved. I was, I'm a really passionate person to begin with, and that just really ignited a, a huge spark in me. And I was all over the church doing all kinds of stuff. I could not wait for the next service, the next week to find new opportunities to serve. And I was, uh, you know, every church leader's dream at that point. And I was pretty on fire. And a lot of people were saying, you know, cool stuff to me about, um, you know, you've got this gift, or I like what you said there, there. That's amazing what happened. I was really inspired uh, by that. Also, I was inspired by hearing people say, uh, God put on my heart to do this thing, or I believe God wants me to do this thing or that thing. And I was like, wow, that's cool, man. You've got like some vision from God, you know, and how does that even, how do you really know? So it was like this intriguing mystery that uh, I felt that I needed to uh, encounter or whatnot. So, uh, yeah, so fast forward a little bit of time into the ministry, and I'm on a prayer walk at work. And this idea just hits me out of nowhere, which they do on occasion, but not to this level of detail, which was... How about we create in the church this teaching library? It was going to be this this YouTube-esque collection of video shorts, and it would replace the need to have to go in and look at or listen to a 40-minute sermon to get answers to questions or to maybe understand or learn about a specific topic. It would be very short little topic, like TED Talk type things. Um, And so I had this idea, and then it also came to, well, how are we going to do this? And I had all this, like, technical data, you know, rolling around in my brain. I was really excited. And so I had basically the whole project mapped out by the time that day was over. And I went, and I told the pastor of the church all about it, and he's like, yeah, that's cool. I like it. I like it. Let's do it. But he himself didn't really want to be too personally involved. These days, I see the wisdom in that. Uh, he wanted to delegate the workout to as many leaders in the church as he could. And so he's like, eh, I like it, but I want you to talk to this person and that person and this person and that person, all wise leaders in the church. And I did. And I got mixed reviews on this uh, wonderful idea of mine. Uh, Some were like, oh, man, that's really cool. Others were like, I don't even know what you're talking about. I guess it's cool. Yeah, man. I can't, I don't really want to do anything with it. But And then others actually said to me, "Ah, I'm just not seeing it. I just, I don't know. Uh, I can't tell you that I'm really feeling this is a great idea. And... My response to that was, well, that's just because you still have dial-up, you know. Uh, uh, I didn't really take seriously the fact that they had any valid opinion about anything tech-based. Uh, 
I'm a software developer, so that's like, you know, what I do all day, every day. Uh, it was definitely my wheelhouse. But I proceeded with this idea of, hey, uh, I've got this plan. It makes excellent sense. The pastor likes it. And uh, uh, I've, it seems that I've spent all this time preparing for this moment uh, with my skills and, and, and resources and whatever. I had all this rationalization about this. So I proceeded, and, you know, long story short, the project bombed. I got all these people that were involved, but they were involved for about three weeks, and eventually it all just tapered off to nothing. And I was left holding the project basically by myself. And it was so huge and so ambitious that I had to go to the pastor and, you know, say, I don't think this is going to happen. And it eventually just kind of fizzled out into, you know, maybe a, a video that was posted for, like, new believers or something. Something came of it, but it wasn't anything close to the vision that I thought I had. And perhaps I, you know, perhaps that was God giving me this, this vision, but there were some issues with how I was receiving it and how I was behaving and, and proceeding with this uh, idea that, maybe didn't uh, pan out so well. So I was really discouraged. And that's why I'm here right now. I just wanted to share this thing with you uh, of this really important question. Uh, we went, out, My wife and I went off to uh, teach new believers class for years in the church. And every single person, it seemed, uh, were all interested in the one burning question in addition to what I was asking of it, how do you really know God is talking to you? That's pretty cool. I couldn't answer that question from that experience. And I would go and I would ask the other church leaders and elders and wise people, how do you really know God is speaking? And no one, no one had a clear answer to this. It was like this mysterious thing, and it made it even more mysterious than it already was. So I remember being in this class that we were teaching, uh, asking the question to myself, to everyone, how do we know where we end and God begins sometimes when we have these passionate ideas? And if it's so mysterious and confusing, then we're not in a great place to proceed forward with it because there's some stuff that we need to know. I was relieved to find out that over time, after studying this out and seeing examples in the Bible and uh, speaking to even more people, that there actually are guidelines that we can follow. And none of this is a prescription of, if you do this, then this will happen. There is always an element of a question around it, and that is really why we have uh, such an emphasis in our walk in faith and trust. But we'll get to that. It's, a lot of that is your how you approach the throne in the situation as to how you're going to experience the situation. So I just wanted to add that disclaimer that this isn't, uh, there isn't a clear answer of if you do this, then this is going to happen. But there are things that we can do. There are guidelines we can follow as sort of a litmus test for are we even in the right place in our hearts and in our, our lives to, uh, to walk out whatever God may be saying to us. So, um, 
it's important to understand, first off, that God is okay with us asking that question in the first place. He expects us to make mistakes in our walk. Psalm 37, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. So we're, in the church, we usually talk about a relationship with God. It's a huge emphasis. But if we're going to do that, then we also have to consider that a loving relationship involves communication most of the time. So if that's the case, then uh, a loving God that we have a relationship with will communicate to us. We can expect that from him, and he can expect that from us. It's a practical thing, but some people get hung up on whether or not God's even, uh, you know, an entity that is uh, communicating with us. And once we have that established, it's really good to agree between God and ourselves that we are after his will. We seek his will. Ephesians 5, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Foolishness, if you don't. So that's a really good question to ask in the beginning of, I feel God has put this on my heart, is, am I seeking his will? This is, this, a lot of this stuff sounds really simple, but we, we usually forget this stuff. Uh, Another thing really important to consider about God, before we even get into the what can we do, is that he is our shepherd. He is spoken of as a shepherd all throughout the Bible. So we've got a few scriptures here that uh, I think are very telling of the scenario with God, where when you see sheep and they are uh, being led by a shepherd, they have to learn that shepherd's voice. There can be three or a hundred shepherds standing around the sheep that are all giving it the same command, and they will only listen for and respond to that one singular shepherd's voice. This is something that has to be learned. It is a process. Isaiah 30. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Deuteronomy 31, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you, never forsake you. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. We know with shepherds and how they basically do their job, they either walk behind the sheep, depending on the terrain, or they walk in front of the sheep to guide and lead them. In John 10, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. All right, so we've identified God, who he is. We've got to follow his will, but it's not enough to just know that and pursue just that without realizing that there are some obstacles to this whole scenario of learning his voice. At any given moment, we are facing a competition in our minds and in our souls with competing voices. You've got God's still small voice, 
But then we have our flesh, our desires. I'm hungry, uh, I'm nervous, uh, I'm angry, you know, the emotions, all of it can, can oftentimes be central. And let's observe for a second the fact that we're talking about God's still small voice in the group. All of the other voices that we have to deal with the competition are speaking louder and usually much more frequently than God's still small voice. So we have to take seriously that there is effort involved in distinguishing and focusing in and tuning in on God's voice. We have the voice of the world, what we should be doing with our money and our time and, you know, uh, what we should be passionate about and what our goals should be, all these things. There's not the same thing as God's still small voice, usually. And definitely is speaking very loud these days with these things. And we also have the voice of our conscience, our, our moral compass, which has a lot to do with basically our life experience and how we uh, form our opinions and beliefs about how we're going to behave and how we're going to, to live. That can be counter to God's still small voice, but drive us. No, I don't feel that's right. That's just not right. Maybe it is. Then we've got the voice of the devil, dark forces, which is a loud voice for some of us and can affect or it can mimic the other voices in the list above. We've got God's still small voice. All right, so we understand that there is work to be done. I would like to read to you uh, this kind of short story of Samuel. Most of us are familiar with Samuel. He was a great prophet. He went on to great ministry. So here we had somebody that you know, also uh, had ministry in front of them and did not know God's voice when he first heard it. And it's interesting to note that Samuel, unlike like myself, who was not in the church my whole life, he was, or tabernacle, he was, he was under Eli, the priest. He actually worked under him in the tabernacle. So he was familiar with God and scripture and everything, but it was at a time that uh, God gave him his first prophecy, his first word, uh, where it was very uncommon that this thing would happen. So in Samuel's mind, on this night that he fell asleep in the tabernacle with Eli, that, uh, you know, the only voice that he was going to hear would be probably Eli. There was not people coming to the tabernacle as guests or visitors. And again, God was not speaking in, in an audible voice to people very often at that time. So, you know, that kind of frames the story. But let's check this out. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. Word of the Lord meaning these prophecies and messages, not, not scripture. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. 
The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. People are sleeping in church for centuries, I guess, right? Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and he said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, "Uh, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and laid back down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. Now, we can notice right off the bat here that um, God wasn't his first thought in this situation. He went to Eli and, and thought it was his voice. And, uh, yeah, he kind of went with the practical of the situation. Well, there's nobody here, so um, it must not be God. This is an inexperienced person um, in dealing directly with God. My son, said Eli, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not been yet revealed to him. A third time the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and laid down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling us at the other times, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak for your servant is listening. So here he is humbling himself. He was still, right? And he approached God as a sheep that had to be led. Um, He's willing to trust and obey God at that moment. So there was a a big change in his, his, uh, his process in this situation thanks to Eli's mentorship. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons blasphemed God, and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. We know this is the Old Testament, right? Um, Just as as a side note. Samuel laid down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision. So he was lacking a bit of peace at that moment. But Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, here I am. What was it he said to you? Eli asked. Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, he is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. So. He's teaching Samuel to yield. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground, meaning that all of the prophecies that he spoke came to pass. All 
and all Israel from Dan to Beersheba recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. Okay, so God is faithful. And I think the coolest thing about that story is that Samuel didn't have to do a whole lot of change for God to effectively move and continue moving with him. And Samuel did great things with the Lord going forward for many, many years, became an amazing leader, prophet. So it isn't really an idea of perfection here that God is looking for. He is looking for effort. He is looking for a growth to occur in this situation. So let's take a look at some stuff that we can do to help identify these voices that are making it difficult for us to recognize the voice of the Lord. The first thing, let's get it out of the way, the word, scripture, right? We know that whatever it is that God is telling us is not going to contradict his word. Something to consider. When we study the word, when we're reading the Bible, uh, I can speak for myself here. What drives me is getting to know who God is. I want to know how he's making decisions, what his emotions are in different things, right? That is my prime directive. I just want to know who God is always when reading the word. So I'm always listening. If we're doing that, then we are in a position to where we can renew our mind uh, much more effectively. When we're in the word, more often than not, we're able to absorb that into our souls and into our minds such that we really are having a, a, a primary focus on God. He's in our wheelhouse, not what's on Netflix right now. Nothing wrong with Netflix, but we're talking about where are most of your thoughts centered. Where, like in the Samuel situation, where, what is your first go-to? So if we go back to that question we asked originally, where do I end and where does God begin? That's actually quite telling of, of where I was at that time in my relationship with God. I thought... I was in pretty good shape. I mean, I was getting a lot of word. I was attending like five church meetings a week. And I think I was reading the word pretty regularly. I'm not sure about how hard I was studying it, but it was in my life. I thought it was all right. It's praying, you know. It was good. I didn't feel that there was any issue. So it's not enough to just stop there. I'd like to look at Psalm 119, though. Just as a reminder, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. It is absolutely essential to incorporate the word into everything that we do in our walk. Not telling you anything you don't already know, but I couldn't not say it in this conversation. So it's also important for us to be quiet and still when we approach the Lord um, in any situation where we're reading scripture and, and we're praying, it can't be terribly effective on the whole if, say, we, the only time we pray or the only time that we read the word is through, like, you know, a commute where we're already thinking about work and we're kind of sharing our, our, our uh, attention 
with God and other things, there's great benefit doing just as Samuel did by going and being ready to petition the Lord and to speak to the Lord directly. Another important thing is, are we humbling ourselves before God and not assuming he agrees with whatever it is that we think that he's telling us? So that's where I blew it big time, I think. I proceeded with this idea of, I really think this is God talking to me. I think that this is, uh, this is amazing. I never have thoughts like this. And my prayers were indicative of that. I, w- I would ask him almost to, uh, I, in fact, I, I recall saying this. In fact, I prayed this with the pastor. We know this is your will. Whew. Yeah. Um, my prayers were of, of the flavor of, I believe you want me to do this. Show me how to do this, right? It was affirmative. And I was assuming that God was already on board, and I just had to somehow get some further revelation into this. And it was a rather blind way to proceed. So, yeah, when we approach the throne, humble ourselves. And, and maybe the best place to start is, I believe this is what you're saying, but I trust that you are going to show me what your will is through this, and I will wait. In this whole process, we've been talking about prayer. It's also important for us to surrender our own desires. Remember, we were talking about the, the flesh voice being so loud in the competition. Well, prayer definitely helps that. Take it to the Lord. Usually when I'm praying, one of the things that I like to do is I, I sort of get this uh, visual image that I'm laying just something, some sort of imaginary thing right at his, I actually picture his feet, I'm laying it. And that's, that's the posture that I have found for me has improved my walk greatly. But you definitely want to have an attitude of surrender. Surrender your thoughts, surrender your desires, your uh, ambitions. Let's take a look at, I know what you mean by this, this microphone, Pastor Andy. <laughs> My arm's getting tired. Um, let's see. Yeah, Jesus in Gethsemane. We're going to read Mark 14. Abba, Father, he said, cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Right? He was definitely surrendering his will to the Lord's in that moment. And... You know, just like the Lord's Prayer, I, I find that to be a very effective template for, for approaching the throne. Another thing is, and I'm not going to spend much time on this because it could, I guess, be another sermon altogether, but confess and repent. Um, it's really kind of a no-brainer uh, in that if we're out stealing stuff and then we get up the next day, and, and we believe the Lord has a word for us that isn't, you know, quit stealing, maybe the first thing the Lord actually wants us to do with our time and our energy is to quit stealing, right? So that's a good litmus test on, you know, if we're living in known sin, willing sin, maybe God isn't actually, maybe you're, you're distracting yourself, uh, with some idea you may be having 
versus what God may want for you. Or perhaps God may want that for you, but it's important to realize and confront and confess and repent of whatever known sin that you have before proceeding forward with the Lord. But that's all we're going to say about that one. Um, uh, yes, 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 yes. Big, 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 big. Uh, I'd like to camp out on this one for sure. The fruit of the Spirit. You know, if there's one go-to that we have outside of, you know, are we even praying at all, is consider the fruit of the Spirit and take an honest assessment of where we fit into all that. How aligned are we with the Spirit? If there's one go-to we should have, I have found through the conversations I have had that there is none better than taking a look at uh, what's listed out here in Galatians 5. We've all read it, but we're going to meditate on this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Interesting thing about this list is that everything has a core, a dependency on peace. So that's a really excellent place to start. Am I at peace about this? It's easy to deceive ourselves into thinking, yeah, we are. We're really hyped up. We're passionate, but I'm peaceful. Spend some time really thinking about it, being totally honest, because we all know God, there's no running from God, right? He knows us. He knows every thought in our minds. He knows every hair on our heads. Another one, forbearance. I like this. This is where I personally stumbled probably greater than in any other place in the story I told you. Forbearance. A lot of other translations use the word patience. Basically the same thing, but let's think about that. If we're passionate and we believe the Lord is telling us something, then a lot of times, from what I've been able to see and definitely in my walk, what, what happens is, is we get excited and we want to go and go, 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 go. Lord told me to go, I'm going to go. But we're seeing things sometimes in that situation that might be, you know, somebody telling us. Maybe it's not a great idea. Oh, okay, I guess you don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to go. I got the plan. Let's do it. Monday, let's get a meeting together, right? Consider this. We're talking about the voices. One of them is the devil. One interesting thing about uh, his interactions, the devil's interactions, demonic interactions uh, with various people throughout the Bible is that there is always a, uh, a high pressure in the situation. Make the decision now. There's not a peace. There's not a patience. It's playing on the desires and the emotions and the passions of the person that is being dealt with at that moment, right? So if we're feeling rushed, Maybe we feel like uh, you were in a situation where God's telling us, get that house. Maybe he is. 
But if we really feel like, you know, we got to make that decision by tomorrow, man, might want to pray a whole lot more. Be still. Because if you're feeling rushed, fruit of the Spirit would tell us that that's not really a good indication of God. Pastor Andy's always talking about the movie The Shack, right? I think most of us have probably seen that movie at one point or another. I really like that movie uh, because I feel it is definitely a a great vehicle to reach the lost uh, that you don't normally see in Christian cinema. Um. So I was encouraged by that, but what I was also encouraged by was how the actors really nailed how I perceive uh, the Holy, the Trinity, the Godhead, to to be in terms of uh, their personality and their behavior. They're very peaceful, very focused, and above all, when this character was really out of his mind, they kind of approached him and responded to him in this way that was like, it's okay if you don't get it, you know? We're going to be here one way or the other until you do. There was no rush, right? That's the kind of thing that we're talking about here. So, yeah, lesson learned from me might happen to you. Pay good attention to that. All these things in this list are extremely important, and they should all be within reach of whatever it is. There have been some situations where uh, the, the Lord may have given someone a word for somebody else to counsel, right? We're going to get into to love in just a second, but definitely want to consider that. If you're feeling almost like a disappointment or a lack of peace or an anxiety, your heart's pumping, social media, right, can get us into that state quite often where we think that we're, we're doing something righteous when, in fact, uh, we may not be doing anything in, in Jesus' name as far as uh, he's concerned, his concern for us. We also want to seek wise and godly counsel. There's a few scriptures, short ones, that all pertain to this. And I think sometimes this is where we can sometimes sidestep it all together or it can really go sideways on us when we are proceeding with uh, whatever word that we believe the Lord has for us. Proverbs 11, for lack of guidance, a nation falls, but victory is won through many advisors. Proverbs 15, plans fail for lack of counsel, but many advisors they su- but with many advisors they succeed. 1 Corinthians 14, two or three prophets should speak and the others should weigh carefully what is said. So this is definitely true in the church as well as in in all of life, that advisors are a really good idea. Consider for a moment, like this bottle here, right? If If there's three of us standing around this table, somebody's in the front, somebody's in the back, I'm standing here, and you ask, describe exactly what you see in this bottle. The person in the front is going to say, oh, there's a Kirkland label on it, and it stands about this tall. All right. And I might say, um, I see a blue and white label with uh, some sort of deposit information on it. Same height. person standing in the back might say, I see a recycle logo 
and the same height that the person in the front set. So there's some common stuff and there's some different stuff, right? But the bottle, how does the bottle look? It depends on the perspective. But the only total perspective we can get in understanding is understanding all the perspectives or more than one perspective of how the bottle actually looks. Same with advisors. So it's important for us to take it to someone that we know is godly, someone that is wise, run it by them, and weigh very heavily what they have to say. And trust, and this is where I blew it, trust that God is going to use that person to confirm whatever it is you need to have confirmed. Trust and faith have to be integral and how we respond and behave in the situation. Love. We all know that that is, above all, the greatest uh, expectation of us from God. So, if we've done all this other stuff that we've talked about in this list, and yet, we're going like like let's take that situation where there's somebody counseling someone. I see that you've got a wrong understanding, or you 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 know you did this thing that is not good and whatever. And I feel like the Lord wants me to to help you understand and see this thing. Let's say we've got that kind of scenario happening. If we're not proceeding in love with whatever it is that we're doing, uh, the vision that I had with that teaching library, to be completely honest with you, I was focused on the project. I was focused on the technology of the situation, not on who I was serving, not on God and furthering his kingdom. That's the honest truth, right? So we have to proceed in love with everything that we do. So, let's take a look at what we can do to identify the voice of God. A review, right? Scripture, the Word. Let, it, let, it, let us absorb that stuff into our minds, our wheelhouses. Be quiet and still. Have focused time with God. Don't just have it be something you do on the way to a meeting. On the regular. Also, you want to approach the throne being humble, not assuming that God agrees with you initially. Approach him with trust and faith that he will continue to show you and make clear what he wants. We also want to pray and surrender our own desires. And we also want to confess and repent if we have any known sin that we really need to get out of the way before we proceed forward in spreading the kingdom. That's God's real first heart for us. And we have to make sure that we're aligned with the fruit of the Spirit. We have to go and get the counsel uh, or the uh, confirmation that we need with others, advisors. And we have to proceed in love. Will you stand with me? Pray in your own words, your own way. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for this opportunity that you give us every day to partner with you to further the kingdom, to be your hands and feet. We're always excited to see the amazing things you're doing, and it's just such an honor 
to get to be part of that. We realize, Lord, that it's not about us. It's not about us getting the credit for anything that we're doing. It's getting to see others grow, getting to see your kingdom grow, Father, as part of this eternal kingdom of yours. You are our eternal God, and that is the most important thing here. It's not about a specific thing. It's not about a person. It's not about a project or anything. Your will will be done, with or without us. It's such an amazing thing to get to partner with you. And we accept your invitation to call us out into deeper waters to trust you further so that even greater things can be done with us, through us. Have your way, and we thank you for all you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.